You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Come on, say amen again. Won't you give a hand to the Lord today for this is the Lord's day. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so thankful again for the generosity that I, my great friend Greg has invited me to be a part of this celebration today. Let me start off by saying this, my deep expression of appreciation on behalf of our church, the Crosswood Christian Fellowship. First Houston, you guys have been a tremendous blessing to us in so many ways. You've allowed us to upgrade our sound system and we thank for that. We just the other day, uh, Paul Sanders called me and we were thinking about uh, buying some new chairs for our fellowship hall. And he says, Gary, we have some choir chairs that you guys want. And before he could finish, we had the U-Haul truck over here picking them up. <laughs> so thank you so much. They look beautiful in our fellowship hall and we're so thankful for your generosity. I don't feel like a guest uh, uh, here at, at Houston First. I feel like I'm a part of family. Matter of fact, when you talk about being a guest, I had a good friend, uh, uh, some people of our church called me over for dinner one time and they said, Pastor, you, you're not a guest here, feel welcome at home, feel like you're at home. And so, man, I said, wow, you really want me to feel at home? He says, yes. And so I took off my shoes and I went to the kitchen and started fixing the sandwich and they thought that didn't go right at all. <laughs> so I am delighted to be here on this The Lord's Day with you again. God really solicited your prayer. Somehow a bug snatched me this week. Um, my anniversary was uh, Monday, and my wife and I got away. We 41 years of marriage, so we were away for three days, and, and somehow the enemy was trying to rob me of being here today, but I wouldn't let him have the victory. I'm excited to be in here today. Amen. Amen. Do you ever have trouble remembering? And if the answer is I'm not sure, then it's yes. God has given us a tremendous blessing of remembrance. To have memory is a blessing from God. I remember the story about this 80-year-old couple who had a problem remembering things and they decided to go to the doctor and just to see what the doctor would say about their memory and you know, they keep forgetting things. And so they went to the doctor and they, the doctor checked them out and said, you, you're healthy, but I would suggest that you start writing down things, uh, you know, to keep your memory sharp. And so they thanked the doctor and went home. And later on that evening, the wife said to the husband as he got up to go to the kitchen, said, would you mind bringing me a bowl of ice cream? And he said, sure. And she said to him, do you think you need to write that down? He says, oh, I got that. I remember that. And so as he began to walk off, she says, oh, yeah, by the way, could you put some strawberries on top of it? And she said, you, you know, you need to write that down. You're going to forget. She said, I know that you want ice cream and strawberries on top. She said, one more thing. Could you put some whipped cream on that? And I know you need to write that down because I know you're going to forget that. And he got kind of agitated and says, I'm, I'm going to remember that. And he stormed off to the kitchen. And he was gone about 20 minutes and he came back in the room and, and he handed her a plate of bacon and eggs. <laughs> and she stared at it and she says, I knew you was gonna mess that up, you forgot the toast. <laughs> it, memories are a good gift from God, but sometimes we forget things. 
Sometimes we are forgetful when it comes to memories. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, and we get to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, men and women who gave their lives for this country, that we may have the freedom today to worship God with freedom. And it's a blessing that we do have that freedom. And, and I had the opportunity to serve 35 years in the fire department. I know it's not the same as serving our country, but there are men and women, even in the Houston Police Department, who sacrificed their lives and paid the ultimate price. And I always like to acknowledge them as well. But it's something about this idea of memory. And we, we could go so farther as to say that God, in his infinite wisdom, wanting us to always know that there's something about memories. Now listen, I'm not here, uh, my purpose is not to advocate, uh, you know, a renewal of Memorial Day. But I think it is something significant that God wants us to always understand in his providence, there is something about the practice of Memorial Day that however it deserves to be promoted to the value of scripture, that God wants to understand that he is a God of remembrance. You see, when it comes to remembrance and memorial, the scripture said that you see that a failure of memory is not just something which leads to personal inconvenience or some social embarrassment. It's not that, it is this spiritual danger if we don't remember. The significance of memory is this idea if we forget what God has done, we will have a failure in our faith towards him. And so the Bible reminds us to forget is is an erosion of our foundation of what God has done in our life in our relationship with him. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, when, when Moses was getting ready to go off the scene and he reminds them as they're getting ready to go into the promised land, it talks about in Deuteronomy, and then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. God want us to remember it, we ought to have a continuous desire of a day of remembrance and always remember what the Lord has done. And I like what God would mind us again in the text over and over again that we're going to read in Joshua chapter 4. You see, in Joshua chapter 4, it is about remembrance. And if there's one thing I want you to walk away here this morning is this idea that I'm going to place in your thought. And this is idea that God has given all of us memory markers. Let's say that together, memory markers. All of us have been given these ideas of memory markers in our lives. And so let me read Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 together. It says, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and each one of you take up on yourself a stone, place it on your shoulder and according to the numbers of the tribes of Israel, of the children of Israel, that you may be, it may be a sign among you when your children ask you in times to come. Watch this. What does these stones mean to you? And then use your answer and say to them, the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the Lord, of the covenant of the Lord. 
Now, let me give you the background again. Children of Israel just come out of 440 years in Egypt. They crossed the 40 years in the wilderness. And now Moses has gone off the scene. Joshua comes along. And here they are leaving, getting ready to go into the promised land. But they come to the Jordan River. It is springtime. The snow is melting on Mount Hebron and is flowing down to the River Jordan. And the River Jordan is one mile wide and 12 feet deep and is flowing out of his bank. And Joshua says, when the priests begin to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and the Bible says in verse chapter three, when their feet hit the brim of the Jordan River, the Bible says that the water rolled back in the city of Adam, 17 to 20 miles upstream. Now listen, I'm not a mathematician and I'm not an engineer, but I would have loved to know how long did it take for that water to come to where the priests touched the water and they walked across on dry land. Can you just imagine the faith that they had carrying an ark? As the moment they touched the water, the water is rolling out of its banks of the Jordan River, it's 12 feet deep, and when they touched the water, the Bible says 17 miles upstream, it stopped. So the water had to continue to where they were 17 miles. But you know what they did? They kept on walking. The priests that carried the ark, they kept on walking. Now listen, when you think they're walking, I don't think they was taking baby steps. I think they were walking with the ark. And the water began to get higher as they walked. Now at some point, my feeble mind would have thought, listen, either two things gonna happen. We're gonna drown carrying this ark or we're gonna walk under the water. And it took amazing faith for them to keep going. But I just imagine before they got to the middle of that river or the Jordan River, the water had stopped where they are or flowed by and they were on dry land. And so I said to myself, why would God give them this idea of now Joshua saying, take these stones out of the Jordan River and I want you to place them as a monument. Why would God do that? I think, first of all, God knows that we are people who quickly forget. We have a short memory span. And God says, second of all, I believe that God wanted these monuments to be memory markers for us and for the children of Israel. You see, memory markers are these, these physical reminders for us of God's legacy. Amen, pastor. These are memory markers. They serve to us, again, as a legacy of what God wants to do in all of our lives. Think about it for a minute. We read that the, each tribe had to take one person to go down in the bed of the Jordan River while it was dry and pick up one of these stones. Now, I don't think they were pebbles. I think they were really huge stones. And the Bible says they placed them on their shoulders. They had to haul them out the river. They had to put them up and place them as a monument. Legacy is not something that's easy as fathers and mothers. 
If you're going to leave a godly legacy that reminds you of the faithfulness of God, it has to be something that's going to be hard. Now, the definition of legacy is the leaving an inheritance or leaving something funny, I mean financial or something material. But I believe that God wants us to leave a spiritual legacy. He says to them, I want you to understand in verse 8 that these stones are a memorial, verse 7, they are a memorial. And the word memorial in the Hebrews means, remember, these stones are memories. They are memory markers for all of us. And in my own life, I understand that God used these memory stones as object lessons for us so that we won't forget the faithfulness of God. And I got to believe that there are believers in this house this morning know that God has been faithful. And the church said amen. So how are you going to leave a legacy that reminds you of the faithfulness of God to those who come behind us? Here's the first thing I think we do. Memory markers ought to be stones of personal experience. The Bible says when the children ask you what means these stones, verse 8 says, tell them the story. Tell them the story. What is your story of God's faithfulness? For the children of Israel, it was they were watched what God did at the Jordan River. They saw the water stopped up. They saw what God had done. They reminded themselves that it was a sacred responsibility. As parents, they had the sacred responsibility of telling the story how God brought them over. Have God made a way out of no way for you? Have that been a place where you came to in your life that was difficult to cross, and somehow God stopped the waters that you may go over. He says, tell your children when they ask, there ought to be personal experience and reminders in your own life how God moved on your behalf. Tell them what you felt, tell them what you saw. Can you imagine these fathers maybe during the summertime or the springtime, gathering the children in the van and going back to the spot where the stones were and reminding them what happened 40 years prior. And God is saying, listen, use your personal experience as memory markers for the legacy of your children. Because if not, the Bible says in Psalms, I think the scripture is going to be on it, but Psalms 21, 2 and 18 says, let this be written for a future generation that the people may not create, may not yet create, may praise the Lord. Verse 71 of Psalms 18, even when I'm old and gray, do not forget me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation that you may, listen, come forever. Can I tell you the story about Joshua? When you get to the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua is 110 years old and God takes Joshua home. You know what the next book after Joshua is? It's the book of Judges. 
And the very part, part of uh, Joshua, the book of Judges, it says this. It says, and a generation rose up that knew not the Lord nor his works that he had done. One generation had passed after Joshua and children had forgotten about what the Lord has done. Tell your personal story. Use the memory marker that God has given you as a, as a reminder of your personal experience of what the Lord has done. And God has truly been good. And here's how you can do this. Here's simple things. For me, it's been the memory marks of places. The memory of places. There have been some places in my own pilgrimage, in my walk with God, that reminds me of God's faithfulness. It started for me in a small little church called Antioch Missionary Baptist Church. It's the place that I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. It was the place where I was baptized. It was the place where when I was 20 years old, I felt called to the ministry and the Lord led me to start preaching. It was that place, Antioch Missionary Baptist Church, that I met my wife and we've been married 41 years. Memories of places, but not only remember places, but remember people. Have there been someone in your life that have crossed and came into your life that reminds you and encourages you of the goodness of God? Your pastor is one of those individuals in my life that reminds me of God's faithfulness over and over again, what God has done. It is pursue God's ministry through the memory of not only places and people, but experience. Do you have memories of experiences that God has saw you through? If God has been faithful, if God has been God all by himself, then that ought to spur us to remember the significance that God has given us the gift of legacy to pass along to others. Amen, pastor. Because God is faithful and he uses these experiences. He tells us to tell our story. He tells us to rem place memory markers in our lives so that when the next generation comes, they will be reminded. Oh, let me tell you this. In my home, my kids, they don't take fun of it too much, but my wife keep doing it. When she's stirring grits, she's telling them about the Lord. If they come over, they're grown now, but if, when they come over, she reminds them over, you remember that time? Because see, when they're hungry, they got to sit there and listen to it, right? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Because the first thing they do to come to the house, mama, what's to eat? And I'll be telling them, hey, man, you guys need to leave some on the table for groceries, you know? And she says, no, no, this is the moment that as I'm stirring while I'm cooking, I'm reminding them of when they were smaller, how God saw them through. You remember when? And they said, mom, why you always tell that story? It is because she's leaving a legacy of God's faithfulness. They may not want to hear it, but keep telling the story. And we know that it's true even of today. There is a generation that does not know the Lord or the works that he has done. And it's our responsibility to tell them. Memory markers of God's legacy. 
But then I think there's something else that why God had Joshua and the children of Israel to build these monuments. Not only would they be a legacy as legacies for their lives, but I believe something else that he tells us in the text, that they are to be a legacy of their personal walk with God. Look at the verse, it said in one of the verses, it says in verse seven, when your children ask you, watch this, when your children ask you what means these stones, you remind them over and over again, it has a missionary purpose. These stones are not just some, something created from the earth standing there as a monument that's going to go admire, but it is, has a mission. So when your children ask you, you can tell them what the Lord has done. Isn't it amazing that God had them to do that so it would provoke a question of why they're there? And that's what, listen, that's what God does. He provokes us to create these memories so that our children would ask, why do you go to church on Sunday? And you could say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why do you carry a Bible? Why do you do Bible study? Why do you have devotion? So it will provoke and respond. It is a time of missions to them. But then also, it is also a time known as a mission, but it's a signpost to the world. In verse 24, look at verse 24. This is so, these stones will be so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord had a hand in, had a hand in mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord. It is a testimony. Your memory markers that you create or a testimony to the world that God is faithful. Can you imagine, listen, can I give you something? When, when the unbelieving world see what God has created and done in your life and they can't understand it, here ought to be your response. I like this because they always see it. Why things always happen? Favor, say this with me, favor ain't fair. I know ain't is, you know, but, but all you grammar may English teachers don't come and get me, okay? Favor ain't fair. The favor of God is not fair to everybody. But his faithful is fair to those who worship and serve him. And so when the world sees the faithfulness of God in your life, it will be a signpost. Can you ever think that your life is a signpost of God's faithfulness, but also it stirs fear. There are some things that people won't do in my presence. <laughs> Not just so I'm a pastor, but because I am a pastor. I'm always took a pink, you know, I, I try not to go to the grocery store too much, but when I do go in there, you know, I, I see members, you know, and they, they, they be on certain aisles, you know, and they see me with a basket and they'll, they'll go that way and I just go that way with them. And they keep going and I go, and I can see them, I can see them out of the corner of my eye, they're trying to get away from me and I keep following them. They don't want me to see what's in their basket. God gives us signposts to the world. And we ought to not listen, we ought to not shrink back. We ought to stand tall. Yeah. 
You are a memory marker. You are a signpost to a dying world that needs to know that God is faithful. Amen? Your witness and testimony in this place today, when your neighbors saw you pull out the driveway, they ought to know that that is a signpost for that house. They go and serve the Lord. And their children are asked, why do you do that? And it's because of God's faithfulness. The fear of other nations they had against Israel because they heard about how they crossed the Jordan River at springtime was God's faithfulness. And God says, place these monuments here as a sign of God's faithfulness. And not only memory markers are physical lessons to the Lord, but innocent, they are a catalyst for personal renewal. Watch this. Joshua instructed every tribe to take a stone and place it outside of the Jordan River as a monument for generations to come. But then Joshua did something himself. The Bible says, the text says, when the people did that, Joshua himself, verse 9, set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant was standing, and the stones are there to the day. Did you get it? That was a public monument that the people had built from every tribe. But Joshua decided, I need something personal that's private to remind me of God's faithful. And so he buried his inside the Jordan River. When the water came back, only he knew that they were there, he and God. And so memory markers ought to be personal. They ought to be personal catalysts for renewing your life. Find things that God has done for you personally. My grandmother, my mother, didn't, you know, she graduated high school, didn't go to college, but she had great theology. And here's what she said to me a long time ago. She said, son, every tub got to set on its own bottom. Now, young people won't know what that is, but because they just see tubs just standing, but most tubs had those little legs on it. That means every tub, every testimony, everybody has to have their own ticket to go to heaven. It's a private situation. It's a private relationship with God. And so Joshua decided to catalyst his own personal memories around God's faithfulness by choosing his own stones. Now listen, picture this. It said, I don't know if he, he just went down there when the river was dry. I don't know the picture, but he had to pick them up himself. He didn't have anybody to help him. And he carried his own stones and placed them in the bed of that river inside the water. And so when the waters rolled away, Joshua had a personal experience with God. Wow. A day of remembrance. What a powerful memory of God's faithfulness in our lives. Here's the last thing I'll say about this text in terms of memory markers. Not only memory markers serve as a reminder of God's legacy in our life, not only do they serve as a, as a personal remembrance of commitment in my own walk with God, 
But thirdly, it, it reminds me again of the defeat of things that have rolled away in my life. Here's what the Bible says. When they finished doing all the stones and the Bible rolled back, the Bible says they were there at the place called Gilgad. Can I tell you what Gilgad means? The city of Gilgad means it was the place that God rolled away their reproach. That means everything that happened to them, God rolled it away at Gilgad. And here's this reminder that God would take your old sins, your old habits, and roll them away at Gilgad. It is the place that these memory takes us. It is the, it is the place of, of past defeats. Gilgad is the place where reproach is rolled away. For 40 years, they experienced spiritual defeat. They remember the time they was in, in Egypt for 40 years. They remember the wilderness rumbling. No more complaining in the wilderness. No more bickering with Moses. No more manna and quails. No more war. No more complaint. They are now at Gilgad, and God has now rolled their approach away. When you become a part of the family of Christ, there are some things that are rolled away. Your past defeats. You're no longer the tail, but you're the head. You are a sincere walk with God in the midst of this idea that God has given you a new direction in life. He's given you new hope. He's given you new stones of purpose. And every day we wake up to see a new day, it is a time to remember of God's faithfulness. That he's rolled that day's sins away. As Lamentation says, his mercies are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. Amen. And what I like about the Bible, it gives me hope even in the midst of my own struggle. So when I fall, I can lean on 1 John 1 and 9, that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that God is immutable. He cannot change. God has to forgive you. So can I tell you this? You don't even have to ask him to forgive you of your sins anymore. Because all he does, it says, confess. Confess is homologale in the Greek. It says to say the same thing what God says about what you've done. And guess what happened? He will roll it away. That's good news. That my reproach that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that there's an accuser? He's called Satan. He's the devil. And the Bible says in Revelation, he comes, he's at the throne of heaven, and he accuses us day and night before the Father. And Jesus says that our sins have been rolled away. Our reproach has been rolled away. And that is good news. Let me close with this last thing. It says something unique in verse, this is my last scripture, verse 19. The people came up from the Jordan River on the 10th day of the month and camped at Gilgad. Now for you just reading the Bible, don't run over that 10th month because that's significant. The 10th month is the first month 
of spring. It's, it is exactly, listen, the 10th month is exactly 40 days of today that they were there. The day, 40 days they came out of Egypt. It is exactly, came out the wood. It is the same thing that that is. And here's what that 40 days is. Insignificant to us, according to Jewish calendar, listen, Jesus was crucified the fourth day of that month, 14th day of that month. So the 10th day is the day that they chose the sacrifice for the sins. The, sec- the 10th day of the Jewish month, of the first month, is Palm Sunday. So Jesus died on the 14th of the first day of the month, and Palm Sunday was on the 10th day of the month. Here's what it is. Here's the significance of that. It is the day historically that they chose the sacrificial lamb. The 10th day is the day that they would choose historically as Israel. They're choosing that day to live for God. Oh, that's powerful. So on the 10th day, they are there with God and they're saying to God, Israel saying to God, Israel, I want you to choose a lamb now on this 10th day for the 14th day is coming that you're going to follow me. So let me bring this home and close. Do you have a 10th day that you have chose the sacrificial lamb that you would give an offering to God yourself to say you're willing to follow him? So change your memory markers into a spiritual marker. And the spiritual marker is that the children of Israel says on this day, God assigned that day. Why the 10th day of the first month? It's because he was asking the children of Israel, before you go into this new land, choose me as your sacrificial lamb. And before we go into tomorrow to celebrate Memorial Day and have picnics and do those things and all that, He says, stop today. Stop today and choose me before you go into a new beginning. And all of God's people said, a day of remembrance. We thank God for the sacrifice of so many. But here's what God said. That was one who already has sacrificed so that we would remember his sacrifice on Calvary so that we would walk in the newness of life and experience him forever. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, as we enter this time, the Lord. May we have these memory markers. May they be signposts for us, Lord not only for a watching world, but for us, Lord, that you're so faithful to all that you do. And we thank you, Father, for giving us this this country that we live in. And we pray that you would bless America, but I pray most of all that America would bless you. And they would choose to follow your ways and your paths. And we give you thanks and we give you glory for all that you've done. For in Christ the Lord we do pray and all of God's people said, Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.